Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Star Wars Hangout. The best Star Wars Hangout in the galaxy. Hey, Star Wars fans, welcome back to Star Wars Hangout. I'm Ez. And I am Lottie. And friends, we are back with The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3, The Convert, a full spoiler discussion. And yeah, we've actually brought on a special guest today to help us break it all down. She's a Jedi Master. The Force is strong with her. The comedy is also strong with her. Please welcome Magic by Michaela. Michaela, how are you? Hello. I am so good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm feeling very cozy in my Grogu onesie right now. People can't see it, but it's oh very cozy. She looks so great. <laughs> and you know what? I will I will take I will accept the title of Jedi Master because I did just build a custom lightsaber last time I was at Disneyland. So I'm feeling a bit like Star Wars Jedi Master right now. Yes. Yeah. No, you are you are I have seen how you handle the lightsaber and the force and your force poses over on Instagram. You, the force is strong in you, I can tell. And I am like excited to talk to you about this, uh, this new episode and everything. So this will be cool. Um, I, I'm glad you, so you're doing well. We got Grogu costume on there, which is, I should have threw like a Grogu title in there as well, but I'm still getting used to Grogu and trying to figure out how I weave him in. Uh, and he's also still trying to, he's, he's still growing in his force. Capacity, oh yeah. So, so. Mm-hmm. He's a cutie pie. Um, and we love him and everyone loves him. And if, and if you don't, you shouldn't be listening to this and uh, <laughs> you, we got problems. Okay. So uh, we do want to get to know Michaela though, before we dive into all this conversation, we might even sneak in like a five minute rebels conversation because why not? I think I could be wrong, but when we had Michaela on for shell cottage radio, did we ever mention, or maybe it was like after we were done recording, did we ever talk about rebels at all? Did oh, we ever say I anything? Don't think we, I don't think we did. Did we tell her? I think I was, I think I told Michaela that I was trying to get you, to finish it because that was like months ago when yeah. we did that or whatever um so yeah our, our goal was to get her through rebels so we'll talk about that here in a second because it's one of the favorite shows but let's get to know michaela a little bit here let's start with some of your favorite uh characters let's, let's go with your favorite star wars character yeah if you have to pick one this one okay if i have to pick one it has to be ahsoka um predictably because clone wars is one of my very favorite shows i think besides just her whole story being very inspiring and her whole character being very inspiring. I think it's hard not to love Ahsoka because she's one of those characters where you get to see from childhood all the way to adulthood and existing through the different iterations of Star Wars, the prequels, mm-hmm. the shows, the sequels, everything. So it's it's hard not to love her when you sort of see in her whole life's journey. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. She, it's her, her arc is, is fantastic. And, you know, I have to admit something that like when I was, when I was younger and Ahsoka first came out, those first couple episodes and I have literally in passing met Ashley Eckstein and said, hi. And it was amazing. Oh. She's so wonderful and nice. But I remember when she first came out, I was like, what is going on? I, I didn't understand how Anakin could have this Padawan, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I was young. I didn't understand how awesome this character was. And I only, I only thought that for a split second, just to be clear. 
And then afterwards, because literally once you get into the series, I loved Ahsoka as well. And she is now one of my all time favorites. And I just think she's the future of Star Wars. So uh, like as well with Grogu and everything else that they have, we have going on here. I feel like Ahsoka is the future. She's just she's awesome. There's so much they can do with her. So great, great pick. Um, have you ever there's a um, what is Ashley? Ashley Eckstein's clothing line is like her universe. Have you oh, ever her universe? Yeah, it's got it gets some really cool stuff. I've been wanting to get Lottie some stuff for uh like like from that. She's got the uh, the classic Ahsoka the shirt like the long sleeve kind of shirt thing. It just looks really cool, and I'm just you know thinking if anybody doesn't have it, they need to go get it because her store is really cool. She has really good uh, merchandise. We you should look it up, sweetie. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm on it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm just pick out something, put it in the cart, we'll get it. Cute clothes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on now. So we get Star Wars character, Ahsoka. Great. Um, favorite Star Wars movie? What do you okay, think? That, that has to be Rogue One. Okay. Rogue One, I think is just a masterclass in how to tell a story that pays tribute to the original while still building on it and still having original characters. It, right. it, it completely sort of changes the way you see the story that leads up to A New Hope. Mm. And it it's just one of those stories that just is really strong with its themes and its message, just about how, you know, a small group of people can completely change the course of, of the war. So it is just one of the most well-done pieces of storytelling, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I think when, when Rogue One came out, it just shocked everybody. It was... Um... There was, yeah, there was just a lot of buzz. I mean, we loved those characters so much, and then they, they we, we grow to love them in one movie, and then they take them away. And I was like, uh, what? I mean, just Chirrut is awesome. Uh, Jen, and then I'm wearing uh, Cassian Andor's sort of like inspired jacket, so I feel good about that. Um, I'm glad <laughs> you, yeah, Rogue, Rogue One is, is awesome. Now, the, let me actually jump around here in terms of questions, because I wonder, so with Rogue One being your favorite how did you first get into Star Wars? Like, when did you first start watching or what what brought you into the Star Wars universe, I guess? Yeah, so the second movie I actually saw in theaters was um, Revenge of the Sith. The first movie I ever saw in theaters was was Return of the King. Um, oh. And But that didn't get me into Star Wars because I had no context for what I was seeing. I, my parents were like, oh, this is this is the third pre the third prequel. And I'm like, okay, so so what comes before it? And they're like, yeah, so this is the third one. And then before that is four, five, six, but those come after chronologically. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Right, right. This doesn't make any sense. So right. I, that didn't get me into Star Wars, but it wasn't until a few years later when I watched, I think it was Return of the Jedi on TV. Um, and I honestly still had no context because I hadn't seen the other movies. I'm just, I'm watching the third movie in every... Um, in every group of movies but there was just something about the the world building and you know just seeing them fight with the lightsabers and just something about the universe that made me fall in love with it and then i went back and i watched all the rest of them and i have loved it since then so you know okay michael you just keep growing on me because uh return of the jedi is like my favorite <laughs> movie and it's the one that like i really locked in and fell in love with but the my first uh watching of star wars was just empire and and then I, I went into I, I didn't really even understand exactly what was going on. Like sometimes you're too young or you you don't really get it. And then I watched that um, the, the the final movie when Luke faces down Emperor Palpatine. He looks at him and he's, he's he looks at his hand and he looks back at him and he's just like no, like you know you failed your highness. 
I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And it's just sick. And I'm like, let's go, Luke. And it's just, it's so awesome. And it just gets you so, so hyped and, and pumped. So that's cool. That's cool. Return of the Jedi. Um, awesome. It's just, it's such a great ending because it's so, I guess you could say subversive. He he doesn't defeat the enemy in the traditional way that you expect the hero to, which is, you know, he doesn't strike him down with his lightsaber and defeat him. He sort of, you know, succeeds by saying, I'm, I'm not going to fight you which is very unique. And I think that was one of the first stories that sort of, yeah. you know, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like the, 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 original, the original trilogy really is magic. I mean, when I, I actually like, I grew up with the prequels. So I really enjoyed the prequels as well too. So I don't really get any of that old prequel hate stuff or whatever. And I think the sequels are beautiful and Ray's story is, uh, is, is awesome. But I, I mean, I'm also kind of a fanboy and just love all Star Wars. So I don't know, <laughs> you know. Uh, okay, let's let's keep going here. What else we got? Oh, any um, favorite? Let's first do like, do you read Star Wars books by chance? Do you ever get around and bounce into like comic books or any short stories by chance? I have read, I have read some Star Wars books. I will say my favorite Star Wars book is the Ahsoka novel, of course, because she's my favorite character. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit sad that Tales of the Jedi sort of decanonized that storyline. But I just, I just really love sort of getting to see her in that time period right after the purge, sort of see her journey to becoming a Jedi. I would love to see the Ahsoka novel made into like an animated movie or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if they aren't going to do something more with that. We've got the Ahsoka series and they're talking about, you know, different things coming out of there. So I, I will be really intrigued to see really what they do because have you they need the, like some of the spoilers and i'm sorry rumors um and so we'll just go ahead and say potential spoiler here is that they they might be going backwards it's it's not necessarily just going to be stuff that there could be flashbacks is i guess what i should say so who knows what that's gonna you know cover or whatever but um that's exciting so um okay uh one more oh favorite star wars tv show and this could be live action this could also be the animated series whatever, whatever you're thinking what are you feeling for that Okay, until The Mandalorian came out, my favorite TV show was The Clone Wars. I just really loved how The Clone Wars sort of built on the places that the prequels were lacking story-wise or character-wise. And when you go back and watch the prequels, having seen The Clone Wars, it's, it's different. It's a different experience because, you know, you have more of an emotional attachment to some of these side characters or even main characters that you grew to know more in the series. Of course, now The Mandalorian is my favorite TV show. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to beat The Mandalorian um, in terms of how The Mandalorian has really paid tribute to the original trilogy and just the, the storyline and the characters. It's very hard to, to beat what they've done with that. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. It's like all the different deep cuts that they do, you know, like just some of the camera motions, some of the background um, characters or the uh, the lines, the, like the like the dialogue and stuff. It's just it's 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 slipping right back into the like the trilogy. It just makes it's a good blend of old and new. And it, it just feels really fresh and exciting with good storytelling, good pacing and all that sort of stuff. So I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. The Mandalorian is. It's good. Um, if we can, before we move on, 
I personally, if it's okay to step aside for five minutes and talk about another favorite TV show, because Michaela, you know, it relates, it ties in strongly to the Mandalorian. I mean, Dave Filoni creating it, working here, working in Ahsoka, uh, Star Wars Rebels is fantastic. So Michaela, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Seen it and loved it. Lottie also has seen it. I just finished it. Yeah. Just finished it. <laughs> cried yes loved it if you are listening to us right now and you haven't seen that i'm just gonna go ahead and say spoilers uh i know it's been out for like five how, I don't know how many years it's been out <laughs> years but i just there is a big big thing we're gonna drop right here that is like if you ever wanted to watch that and not have the awesomeness of it spoiled just step away for a second with the end of that like season four so michaela the, w- okay <laughs> sorry so many things like the the end of it is the whole bit with Canaan with Ezra with the um the epilogue Thrawn it's all coming together it is all coming together in the Mandalorian Ahsoka Ahsoka? I mean it's everything that we've ever wanted so I guess quickly as we think about Mandalorian and we think about rebels are you did you first of all did you catch the the Purgle connection in episode one Oh, yes. I was so excited when I saw those. I was like, the space whales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, it's it's so crazy. So, do you, I mean, any thought? I mean, clearly Ezra's out there. And oh, do you think I have to ask, do you think there's something? And I know I know that there doesn't always have to be romance. and There doesn't always have to be things between different characters or whatever. But I love Sabine and Ezra. And I don't know, but I have a feeling that like Sabine really cares for Ezra. And she stayed on Lothal for like that entire time trying to figure out what he wanted. She's going to go get him. She's going to go bring him home. Um, How do you feel about those two and their like relationship or not relationship? What are you feeling? It's so funny because I usually have very strong feelings one way or the other. If I feel like I, I would like to see these characters romantically involved or I feel like there's something there or not with Sabine and Ezra. I continuously flip flop back and forth. There's no, it's like a sibling dynamic. That's weird if they date. And then I'm like, no, 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 this is clearly love. This is romance. (laughs) So whatever happens with them, I'll be, I'll be happy because I clearly have no strong feelings either way, but I do really enjoy their deep connection. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of star Wars rebels in general is just Mm -hmm. the sort of found family aspect and the, the deep connection and friendship and love that all the characters share. Yeah. Yeah. Their paths are clearly intertwined. And I mean, the guardian of the world between worlds, though, you know, count, comes and, and, and picks up Sabine to get Ezra. So there must be a deeper connection in one way or the other. <laughs> uh, to, to hear my sweetheart say the guardian of the world between worlds does all sorts of things. I feel accomplished as a Jedi master. I feel like <laughs> sure. I've trained you in the ways. And it's just so good because we talk about this. Like I'm like walking around. I've been wanting to talk to somebody about my theories and thoughts and where it's all going to go. And I'm just super pumped that that is we're getting it. I think we're, they're going to do it. They've they've uh, dog on. They've shot the Ahsoka series. They had the Pergo uh, connection. And when we get into this episode, I'm going to drop some major ideas that I think uh, will tie into to Rebels. But let's move on. I have uh, taken too much time. Just uh, sorry. That was personal. I had to get a Rebels conversation in there <laughs> quickly. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, good. OK, uh, so just around the horn here, um, we're going to start with Michaela and then we'll go to Lottie and then and then I'll give you guys my thoughts on it. But just your initial thoughts on the episode three. How did you feel after watching as long? I think it's the longest one that we've had. It's the longest yes, um, for sure. episode this season. So, yeah. How did you feel, Michaela? I was initially 
very thrown off by how we sort of went from Din and Bo-Katan and then to this entire subplot. And then by the end of it, I was like, this is, this is genius. I love this. This is so great. I feel like one of the things that the Mandalorian does very well is um, the same thing that the Clone Wars does for the prequels. I feel like the sequels, they never really fully sort of addressed how we got to this place where we have the First Order. What happened to the New Republic? How did that, you know, what happened? And The Mandalorian, I think, is doing a really, really excellent job of filling in those story gaps and sort of showing how we got from the New Republic to the First Order. And also just, I feel like they very cleverly say things, you know, about the political system, about the way people in the outer rim are treated. And it, yeah, it's sure. just, it's it's very, very good storytelling. So I was very happy with that sort of subplot we saw, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, all right, Lottie, how did you feel? I think you put, yeah, I, I mean, I think you put it in, into very, very good words, and I feel the same because I just read an article, like really briefly um, went on, I think, sc Screen Rant, and they talked a little bit about like how, I don't know, the Phantom is split, or this was kind of hard to put together. But then I I didn't really, I just really kind of like read a little bit of it, and I turned to Ez, and I was like, actually, I really enjoyed it. And I think same happened when you said, whoa, this was quick, like a quick going from their story over here, and then staying there for so long. But at the end, I loved the scenery. I loved seeing more of Corson and um, just them, like, I don't know, like, the whole time, sometimes we said, "Oh, this is so cheesy, so cheesy." The, the 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 I don't know when they're when they're at that festival or whatever and just doing their thing. But I love sometimes I love a little bit of cheesy. You know, I love watching like K dramas and stuff. And I, that, I mean, that's one hundred percent always like very cheesy acting. But I love it. And and you the whole time you already get that feeling something is wrong though. Like it, this is too good and awesome. And the way she looks and you know looks at him and yeah and and then now we're we have this whole cliffhanger like why in the end does she we kind of knew something was wrong but why does she completely like wipe out his memory and everything mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed both plots like seeing both yeah. in one episode i was surprised that we at the end even still get because the episode was so long that we still get a little bit of um uh mando and and all that oh yeah, yeah and, and Bo-Katan and, and, yes. and the whole yeah go, going to see the armor and stuff yeah that was cool that they are now in this place so right really, right really well like you know I thought they were I didn't think that so I forgot how long so, the episode yeah. was because I'm like they went back I was yeah. I forgot that they were going I thought it was going to end and it was going to like okay directed by and everything and we're going to be left on Coruscant there because it was a pretty mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. spot to do it and they're like nope we're going to take you back over here and uh we're actually going to show you Bo-Katan coming in so for me j just quickly I I just want to say I am I'm loving it, Hunter, but just absolutely freaking loving it. And I've heard people say talk about the pace and different things, whatever this and that. Um, it was as Michaela said, it's very necessary. They're doing a really good job about explaining stuff as they go, and sometimes they explain to Grogu, which was really neat. Did you see in like when they're going to Mandalore, he's pointing out the different, um, you know. Uh, Concordia and the different like places, the moons and stuff, the system of Mandalore and explaining how things work. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And it actually, depending on the age group that's coming in, they, they need a little bit of an explanation and they want some context and you want to understand what's going on. So Michaela said that was something that was a little bit lacking as we, as we, you know, the build in the lead into 
uh, the sequels, and they're definitely correcting that, and making sure that we know where things are going. So I, I feel I feel really good about both of these plots that we got because I felt like this this core piece here was necessary. We had no idea what was going on in the, new, in, in the New Republic. We didn't really know what they were doing with the Empire at large and all and all that stuff. So yeah, it was uh, it was really good. So let me uh, just jump right to something that's probably going to throw Michaela off, and she's going to be like, "Wait, what the heck?" <laughs> Is there a is there a blossoming and I I feel like I already said this with with Ezra and Sabine, but I mean what is going on between Din and Bo-Katan? Like they are they're out there and they're fighters, they're fighting. I feel like they're I feel like they're getting closer and they're good friends. Let's just say that. They, they seem to be good friends. Um they are fighting for each other. She goes and like protects him. Do you think that the the way or do you think Din is uh, having a good impression on her? Or do you think, how do you think, I guess, let's, let me frame it this way. How do you think Bo-Katan feels about Din? That's a better way to put it. Like in a, like, mm, that's a good question. So I. Any way you want with it. <laughs> I mean, I was not getting any impression. There, there was one point where I was like, hold on. Are they trying to do something here between those two characters? I didn't, it, it, it it was a passing thought, but I, I actually, I don't, I don't believe that, and I don't want them to. I, I think the dynamic works very well with yeah, Din yeah. being a single dad and Bogotan being the cool aunt. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really like about their dynamic is that it's really fun and interesting to kind of see how almost unsettled Bogotan is by how sort of earnest and genuine and compassionate Din is. And I feel like that's just something she's not used to, especially maybe not coming from other Mandalorians or just people who she's interacted with in her life in general. And just when she sort of sees that genuine compassion from him, it, it kind of like unsettles her a bit. She's like, whoa, whoa, wait, I'm not used to this. And that's something I really like about that dynamic. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I tried to bring that up in the last episode, I was talking a lot about this when when Bo-Katan mentions her, her her father and he died defending Mandalore and he was like, this is the way I got chills. I was like, oh, yeah. he just turned in like honored and respected her father. And she was like, huh? Yeah. You know, and it was like the way in which she uses this is or he uses this is the way versus she did. And it's like, yeah, she kind of grew up in that system and it's like, uh, it's the old fashioned way and it's sort of like whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they really, I don't know, it seems to be kind of rubbing off on her. And I think you're yeah. you're right in terms of her sincerity, right? I mean, right. just the way how, how sincere he is, I should say. Like, right. That, yeah. And she probably had stereotypes, like heard stories about, you know, the old ways and how the people are. And now she's met him and someone you think he, he doesn't, we clearly get the get the message he doesn't he didn't grow up with the typical mandalorian stuff on mandalore right like the what what was it like a f type of food um, oh pog the, some kind of it was the egg pog oh yeah, yeah drink yeah. thing I yes know. yeah <laughs> and she's like what how do you not know it? you're a mandalorian right but then yeah like you said there's more to it and she it's so cool to see how she learns about it and now she is i mean kind of involuntarily part of their cult yeah. <laughs> yeah i think she that really gets her thinking and i think that's a really cool connection that we get there that we can we can kind of feel how it is to be somewhere new somewhere we only heard stories of mm. and that's what that's what shaped our picture of them and now we get to experience them firsthand and get to know them and it's 
night and day difference or you know like at least different than she thought yeah I feel like they're saying something I really I really like sort of the what they're conveying about sort of you know people being from almost like a home country and then you have this sort of diaspora and it, it almost I feel like there's some real life yeah. themes that that could parallel to with you know people who are living in a diaspora and like you said it's it's really to compare then and, and first initial meeting versus now when they first met and she was like oh my god he's in a cult like and now seeing sort of her reaction to his sect and and her sort of receiving that and, and realizing like wow these Mandalorians are living together they're coexisting they're you know that's she, she and she's been alone you know and the way she reacts to that is really interesting to see yeah you just summed that up really well because I think that is something I was trying to to figure out like what's going on but she's been left because of this you know like she didn't bring back the dark saber and so the fleet that she acquired all that kind of stuff it's sort of gone and she's not their leader it just where does she belong? How does she bring her people together? She's been looking for that very thing, which is the idea that um, th there's a community and they're actually even going out and getting and recruiting or finding, you know, these these um, foundlings and, and they're they're bringing them in to the way and they're sticking together and it feels just more, I don't know, yeah, connected and, and it's it's honoring it's sort of what she wants. I mean, she wants her people to come back together and, and stop the fighting. And these people are all uh, getting around this idea of the ancient way of Mandalore and whether you like it or not, that seems to be something that she's like, okay, that's working and other things aren't, you know, I mean, maybe that's something that, um, yeah, she'll, she'll think about. Yes. I have a question for Michaela. Oh, <laughs> Would you, if you thought, well, this is awesome. The way they believe the way they live, that's great, but you could never ever, take your helmet off in front of other people would you still join their cult <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question i don't think you know i don't think i could do it i, I think i like um i like eating with other people too much <laughs> yeah. how am i supposed to how am i supposed to go have a meal with my friends if i can't take my helmet off yeah that's, um, that's yeah that's 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 the hobbit trait in me that i will <laughs> to become a mandalorian <laughs> yeah yeah good answer yeah i think it'd be tough it's just yeah. sort of like uh and that's what i think bo makes a joke about that like uh just with the whole helmet situation or maybe he said you know you might want to keep your helmet on when, when, when we go down there and and we were kind of talking like is this i mean they can take it off they like just not in front of other right. people and they can do it privately and whatever you know but um yeah it's i, I kind of feel i i really hope they give a little bit of a deeper explanation why what that means to them why they are so rigorous about this you know oh yeah just yeah and i feel like we we're getting bits and pieces here yeah. and there of, of why they do what they do and, and, and all that kind of stuff so yeah we we shall see <laughs> um and that's good okay we kind of went back and forth we kind of hit the end in in the beginning a little bit just talking we'll we'll come back uh to the end as as we get through the dr pershing stuff and i do want to mention uh michaela you said they were explaining stuff along the way there was a cool little line where they talk about um the difference between fighting tie fighters and tie interceptors and like, well, that? I mean, it's very simple and it's it's maybe just obvious, but they're like, oh, these TIE interceptors are harder than the TIE fighters. And it's just to help the general like audience understand what's the difference between these two things. Is it just style, the way they look? And it was just kind of funny because they're doing little things like that just to say 
this is a difference between this and they're getting the terminology built back up again. Which is Yeah. And I, that's, I mean, kind of what you said earlier, I feel like that's one of the biggest strengths of the Mandalorian is that it's very accessible to both new fans or people who, you know, aren't as well versed in Star Wars, as well as people who are huge Star Wars fans. Because if you're a huge Star Wars fan, you know, and you're seeing all the Easter eggs and you know the characters' backstories and everything, that's a great experience. But then, you know, if you're a new fan who's not as well versed in Star Wars, it's still a really great experience to watch just because of how the story is formulated. Din doesn't know anything about anything either. He's like, oh, these are enemy sorcerers with laser swords. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through his eyes, if you're a new fan watching, you're sort of going on the journey, learning about these places and these things along with him. So that is still a really great way to watch the show. And I feel like that's something that The Force Awakens did. Sorry, this is a tangent. Oh, but right. I feel like this is something The Force Awakens also did really well, was make it very accessible to new fans and also paid a lot of tribute for old fans. Because if you're new, you're seeing it through Ray's eyes. She doesn't know anything either. You're learning it along with her. And if you're old, you can also watch it, you know, maybe through Han's eyes or Leia, and you can kind of see the story unfold in the context of the greater picture. So anyway, I just, yeah, had to build on what you said, because I feel like that's one of the reasons The Mandalorian is so successful is that really anyone can watch it. Yeah, Michaela, never shy away from making a, a Force Awakens connection. That is awesome. <laughs> I like I just love how, how interconnected it is. And that's a really good point that you want to bring people in because some people uh, I have a good friend of mine who runs a podcast and has been on different like Star Wars trivia shows. And she's a Star Wars trivia champion she's from Chicago. Uh, hoping to have her on the show at some point, but she got into Star Wars. Her first sort of like viewing of it was Star Wars Rebels, this like cartoon, and just got into it and was like, this is cool. What like there's a whole what okay, what how do these characters fit in? Maybe she had some context of like there's a she knew about Star Wars, right? But that was your window in. This was your this is your gateway into Star Wars. So for some people, the Mandalorian, this is gonna be their gateway in, and you need to explain things along the way and and have a yeah, just a way in which we learn through uh, Grogu or we, we learn through Din, like you said. And he's, uh, you know, just trying to he's getting caught up here in terms of what it means to be a Mandalorian. We all kind of are, actually, which is which is great. So, uh, all right, let's dive into Coruscant. Let's just go to Coruscant and go crazy. It looks like Coruscant. It felt like Coruscant. Uh, am I wrong that we went to the I, I made this joke uh, with Lottie earlier. I was like, Michaela's going to come on here and say, like, Ez, did you see the Galactic Opera House situation <laughs> thing? Is that the same place? And I was like, honestly, I, I, I didn't know. And I was getting a little like, you know, nervous. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but because I was like, what's the name of that place? And it's literally just like the Galactic. It's literally like just the Galaxy Opera House or whatever. It's just literally all that it's called. But it's the, it's the spot where Dr. Pershing is like talking and he's talking about, you know, rehabilitation and and, and, and all that goodness. What did it feel like, Michaela, to be back on Coruscant? Yeah, that was... That was really cool. And I feel like the contrast having been mostly in the outer rim for the entirety of this TV show and then it, going straight into Coruscant like that and seeing, you know, the more mo modernity, is that is that the word? And just, you know, yeah. this sort of different class of people. It kind of was an interesting experience because it really forces you to be in Pershing's shoes. Like you're, you, you sort of, going from that setting in the Outer Rim, jumping straight into Corazon for the first time in the show, you sort of feel that disconnect, like, oh, wow, wait, this is completely different. This feels a little foreign, even though, you know, we as viewers are familiar with the location, just in the context of the show, it felt completely new and different. And I think that was yeah. a really cool viewing experience. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we get to see the New Republic. We get to see how it's changed. But yet um, there was an interesting character who was talking to Dirk, uh, Dr. Pershing as he came out. And he said sort of he mentioned the New Republic and he was sort of like, yeah, different drapes. It's uh, it's all the same. I mean, he's sort of like Coruscant has remained through, you know, the the Republic, the Galactic Empire, the New Republic, whatever. It's <laughs> it's just and it really it looks the same. And it's sort of just a city that's just moving on. And yes, there's different people who come in and rule and uh, different factions. The Jedi, they, they came and they went and so on. So, yeah, it was it's it was neat to see a lot of things that were similar. But yet then this is new for this show. And you're taking us back there and we're establishing because that's something the sequels never did. I actually kind of wish we would have gotten a little bit of Coruscant in the mm -hmm. sequels to see what was what was really going on there, because it's a center point where we're used to being i guess in the prequels now it's you know it's not really there in the original um trilogy but anyways it was really cool to see it and i felt really uh, i'm very intrigued about the new republic and what's going on like what is their agenda what's really happening on the bigger stage like is the empire completely destroyed there's these remnants right they're bringing them in they're they're destroying old uh technology and stuff so i felt like it was um yeah, it's just it's really good for us to go in there and get that context. But uh, Lottie, what did you think? Just I mean, so Lottie has seen episodes one, two, and three, four, five, and six. Yeah, uh, we haven't really got to the sequels yet. She's seen the sequels way back in the day, I think. Uh, one viewing, but we got to get yeah. uh, through those again. So, what was it like? I guess to see because we recently saw Coruscant in Andor, and you're seeing a lot yeah. of connections there, right? I was gonna say like the best. I got to know Coruscant was through Andor, yeah. and we didn't even get to know, uh, get to see that much of the city. So I guess I remember Andor the most, and then um, right before Order sixty six happens, right when everything yeah. with Obi Wan and, and and Anakin goes down in Coruscant. So yeah, yeah. But I just love the city, even though. So I I I grew up in a big city in, in Berlin City, which is you know not like a mega city with all these skyscrapers, but still a big city with lots of people, lots of you know shopping malls, bars, you name it, you know political yeah. buildings and stuff. And now we're more in a countryside, and I really really enjoy being out of a city, outside of the city now. But there is something about a big city that just I don't know has my heart still, even though I don't want to live there anymore. But I love your like, city girl. <laughs> I mean, I, I technically am. I love like the the theaters, the bars, that robot. Like, sorry. Oh my gosh, I said robot. I mean, droid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, 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 I made oh. a huge uh, newbie mistake. Whoa. Uh, um, the droid that um, drove the taxi. Yeah. Where Doctor Pershing was in, he was like talking about all the sites, and you should go there, and you should go see the gardens or whatever. And I was like, this is so cool. I feel like. It, it to me, even though it might not be the same thing, but it, to me, it had some some mixed city vibes. Like to there was a little bit of Tokyo in there. There was a little bit of like a, more like an American style city in there. And it, I just loved the hustle and bustle of the city and all the different people and all their stories in in, in such a small space is just so interesting. And yeah, I loved I loved the city dynamics and even like seeing the public transport and then like sneaking down there oh. and it's so cool yeah, yeah. I, th I think one of and so one of the the moment when um oh elia kane uh is, is the individual who sneaks dr pershing out right they go on like the look like a subway thing and yeah. it was like he was sort of new to all of this they're going out to the junkyards and lottie was just sort of like that is so beautiful and it just <laughs> and she she was talking about how 
like Tokyo, Berlin, and just being on public transportation, which we don't have over here, Michaela. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in my town, you probably do. Like over here, I'm in Ohio, and it's not great. Same, same where I am. <laughs> not great. Uh, other cities do it really well, and so does Coruscant. Of course, not clearly does it well. But anyway, it was really beautiful. It was just really, really neat and everything. So yeah, the going back there has been has been really cool because, like Michaela said, we've been out to the uh, we've been in the outer rim. If you look at all the different episodes where Mando goes, he goes to these remote locations sometimes, or where they're out mining and they're just doing yeah, just lots of different things. And and it's just he's just out there. And so now to come into a core. War, I mean, he's not there, right? But we're there with Dr. Pershing. Uh, it was really a neat insight because we just saw him. He still has the burn on his ear where they mm. uh, were hijacking the you know the shuttle and everything from the end of season two. So it was it was crazy. So now, Michaela, let's get to this. What do you think? Um, let's get let's get a couple of big questions out of the way. Elia Kane, who is there, we saw her on Moff Gideon's ship, I think, right? And she is, and I forget what this whole thing is, this program where they're, they're kind of, um, they're getting housing and they have to go through rehabilitation and different things. And then boom, they're, they're able to come in and help out with the uh, new Republic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Amnesty. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um. And so, anyways, they're in. She's. Uh. She's there already. How do you feel? Um. How do you feel about her? By the way, how do you feel? I mean, did you did you trust her to begin with? Were you trusting? Did you think she had turned or what? I I think they did a really good job of making you want to think that she had changed and sort of you know making you feel like oh well, I can trust her okay she and but still leaving this almost atmosphere of of something's just a little off though something's just a little not right here so there's always something in the back of your mind when you're watching that episode like this isn't this isn't going to go the way we think so i feel like they did a really good job of creating that atmosphere but i did want to believe i was you know it's it's nice they lure you in oh they're just going to this little street fair and they're having fun and she got him cookies like (laughs) i think that was a really well done of sort of making you want to believe and then pulling that at the, at the last minute. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm interesting to hear your theories of where you think they're going with this, because I feel like John Favreau continually always surprises me. Um, but I mean, I, I imagine what she's doing is, you know, sort of erasing the memories of these important people who can, you know, he can do the cloning experiment, um, experiments and erasing the memories of these people so she can recruit them back to continue with you know what I wouldn't be surprised if she's actually secretly working with Gideon who I I don't remember if they mentioned exactly where he is or if they were just no yeah Yeah. they they didn't really say I mean 
it was at the end of season two they t- they talked about the mind flare and how like they might hook you know Gideon up to that and he looked kind of like oh my gosh scared you know um because we can see it can, it can erase your memories and everything so we don't really know what happened actually when i saw the title of this i, I thought did they give like i thought gideon came in and gave up secrets and they're sort of like all right pat him on the back he's one of us now like he's he's turned and that and i would be like i don't don't trust him but it's the communication officer who i am you want to know my theory you, you want to know what i would like okay so i actually think this is all way bigger than the moff gideon i mean i think it's like i i think this all brewing down i think from the shadow they showed us in season two that ahsoka has been hunting thrawn and that Thrawn, that means Thrawn has been out moving about. And I think Thrawn is the dangerous name that they don't, you, you even, that even, you know, so like these guys are ridiculously crazy. When Bo-Katan takes over the ship and they contact Gideon, he's like, you know what to do. And he like offs the two guys, bites down on the thing and he offs himself. So that way they can't get information. They can't get to Moff Gideon. Pershing knows how crazy this is. So either Gideon is just, he's a, he's a great villain and just wildly, I don't know, he's got his group. But I just feel like there's somebody else either opposed to him that's coming down the line or that literally there's somebody behind him that no one has ever even heard of. And he's just amassing this force and stuff is happening. That is my crazy tinfoil Star Wars hat idea. I, I think I think he's got people really well connected and Thrawn is a mastermind. Thrawn is the type of person who could pull off some really crazy, uh, I, something. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Am I, am I nuts? Am I, crazy? No, I, I think you're a hundred, I think you're a hundred percent. Right. And now I'm feel I'm like, why did I not think of that? Like I was, I was here playing like regular chess. Like, okay, it's, she's oh, Gideon. This, you're playing like 4d chess. You're like, hey, this is, and you're, you're, you're so right. And this is what I meant by John Favreau, continually yeah. always surprises me and and that's exactly how he would have surprised me is being like oh no it's it's you think it's Gideon but it's it's bigger than that it's Thrawn you're 100 right. that's right. not crazy at all that is 100 what's happening I wow. feel so validated Mikhail <laughs> <laughs> because I have so, so anyway I've been talking a lot about the idea that in Rebel going this way who, who knows but um you build to the next emperor. You build to the next uh, idea of someone massive who could unite the imperial remnant. And the what where Thrawn comes from is the the series is like the trilogy that he originally in nineteen ninety two. I know you youngsters here don't know what that year. All right, I was there. Okay, <laughs> and let me tell you, I, I you know I, I didn't read it till much later, but it is heir to the empire. That is literally what Thrawn shows up in. He is like the heir, sort of. I mean, it's, he's actually looking for, you've got Luke and the whole idea of Luke coming in and being and whatever. But like he's heir to the Empire. And it's just this crazy idea that he's going to he's gonna bring everybody together. He's this mastermind. And it's just like, okay, they're actually doing some, some sort of component to that. Because in Bad Batch, if you saw, I know you haven't seen, you're not all the way caught up on it. Um, Michaela, but in season one, at the end of season one, they go to a little place called Mount Tantus. And that has been a, a crazy. So that's the only thing I'll say, and I, I'm not going to say anything else. It's a it's a it's a place where there's secrets. There are imperial secrets, and Thrawn knows about those secrets and will use them and exploit them. So I just feel like from the shadows. If you ever search Thrawn online and you go look at pictures of him, he's always like back in shadow. He's just like back in the shadows, watching, doing his thing. And I just feel like he's propped up some people uh, in 
distantly has connections to to Gideon and Gideon would have respect for him knowing that he was a grand admiral what they do really well in the legend series is when a grand admiral steps on scene you're sort of like oh blippity bloppity you're like this guy's a bad move he's like like watch out and the grand i'm serious the grand admirals were like they carried so much weight in the empire there were 12 or 14 12 i don't know but there was only a select number of them and they were a big freaking deal and he is the last i believe grand admiral and so i'm just sort of like they got to be building to that guy because this alaya kate she's like she's yeah she's kidnapped but here's my question michaela why i don't what i don't know is so the mind flare is she uses this on him and you said maybe to recruit him back because did we not all believe that he really was wanting to do what was right? How did you feel about it? like he wanted to work for the new Republic? It felt like Dr. Pershing actually believed what he was saying. And that might've been a no, no, we don't want this going to the new Republic. What do you think? I mean, that's how I interpreted it, but now I'm like, man, I, there, <laughs> I'm sure there's more that, that I'm not, um, I'm not seeing there, you know, I'm, I'm very easily, I don't know what the, what the, I'm very easily fooled by the narrative, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even during the Mandalorian season two, that whole sequence with Lou coming in at the end, even after I saw the gloved hand, even after I saw his lightsaber color and, and, and everything up until the point where he pulled off his hood, I didn't think it was going to be Luke. After all those context clues, yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 it's some, it's maybe, who is, is it, it's going to be like Cal Kestis or some, right. I'm very easily, easily fooled by the narrative. So yeah. what, when I see these things and I'm like, this is probably building towards something, but I could not tell you what. So I am very intrigued hearing your theories and everything you're saying. And I'm like, oh man, like how, how did I not see that? How did I not see that coming? Like, yeah. especially knowing what we know, what people have been saying about the Mandalorian and the Ahsoka show and how Favreau's like, you know, he's already written season four of the Mandalorian and it ties into the Ahsoka show. And my mind wasn't even on Thrawn, even knowing that the Ahsoka show will be around that conflict and that he's tying in those stories together. So yeah. I'm interested to hear what what you're thinking about Pershing and the Mind Flayer. Oh, stuff. Oh, okay, you know, let me just tell you, all right? Because I tell you, I'm having so much fun. I tell you, I think... Because this has been one of the most intriguing episodes because I'm like, what is she doing? She's a communication officer. Um, why? So she clearly had to go in there. They knew Dr. Pershing was taken. They all were taken. She's committed to some greater cause. And I feel like, yeah, so she's definitely she's definitely fried him. Uh, to I, I think it's just so he's not used by them and then she's taking but I, I i'm still i actually myself is still like confused because i thought he's a great asset why not just it why it, why can't you take him and and move him get that lab and get back out to thrawn get in your people and do your thing and force him to do what you want him to do you know uh, he, he seems to clearly want to be back into his stuff he but what she was gauging is how how much mm, did the research mean to him and she gets him in a vulnerable position where she can take him out. She's almost like a like like an assassin. She, she's almost like sitting in there, looking for imp important people that could come in and drop names like Gideon or Thrawn or whoever else and take them out. She mm -hmm. is like a sleeper agent 
in there looking for these people and she is dedicated to the cause. So I think that's just what she did. Maybe she did that with a few other people. My long theory here is we got ourselves a little guy who can do some force healing. And that old mind of, I think something is going to come down. They're going to bring Dr. Pershing back. They're going to realize his importance. And somehow we're going to get, he's going to get, he's going to get healed. Cause I think he's gone. I think he's going to come out of that like loopy a little mm -hmm. bit. What was it? Is an Andor. Did you get a chance to watch um, Andor, Michaela? So, so some of it here and there. I'm, still catch I'm only like halfway through Andor. I'm still catching up, but okay. I love Andor. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I don't want to spoil anything. There was there was just there's one part and it's not major spoiler, but it's a it's a they use sort of like the interrogation equipment. And the when you use it, oh, yeah. it's bad. Like yeah. the person ends up uh, kind of um, I don't even know. They can't talk. They're really they're really out of it. They've lost everything, lost their mind and their, their life. So I'm worried that Dr. Pershing is going to be real. She cranked that machine. She cranked yeah. it to completely take him out. So. I don't think his story is over because he referenced because yes. no. he, he spoke out loud before a large group of people about his research. People seemed interested in his research in him. It was just he's going through this whole process. Someone is going to say, we need that Camino technology. We need that stuff. And let's bring him back. I don't know when that's going to happen, uh, but it will there will come a time because to me, I'm, I'm just imagining for the cloning to continue to go into the sequels. They have to have somebody, they have to have some sort of cloning um, project or facility that they're still possibly working on to tie in. I don't know. I don't know what other projects might be, but I just feel like his story is not over and he's going to go on the, he's going to go on ice for a while. We're going to go back to the Mandalorians and we're going to, we're going to do our thing. But that was a tie into something way, way, way bigger than it's their over. Like you said, John and Dave are working on this and you don't drop Thrawn's name in the Mandalorian series and not have him be like a big freaking deal at some point. So I don't know. I want to hear folks thoughts and theories. So people are out there listening right now. Like if you guys have thoughts on, on what could be happening with Dr. Pershing going forward and this, this um, Eliah Kane, who stayed in good standing with the Republic, that showed me she is locked in there and she is waiting for the next person to come in who could, who could um, divulge secrets and off them. So she's dangerous. I mean, she is a, she's a great, by the way, the actress is great. I forget her yeah. name. She is wonderful. Uh, do you have her name pulled up? She, I just had it. Okay, okay. Because she is so good because I, I, I couldn't tell. Her smile is like, you're like, oh, you seem so nice. But are you? I don't know what's going on. It was, yeah, she was trippy, trippy. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, really good. So, did you notice, Michaela, the reference to when, when he was going under and you, you had another doctor there, put him in the mind flare. And what did he say? Something about it's a trap. Trap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I can't remember how he delivered it, but all I remember it was like it's a trap. Saw him, and I was like, oh my god, it's a it's a it's a calamari. He says it's a trap, mm -hmm. and it was funny. So there okay. they go. Yeah, I love those little Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah, what was her name? Katie O'Brien. Katie O'Brien. Okay, sorry. Yeah, did a fantastic job, and I thought I thought because she had me. Yeah. I was like, wait a second, she's either I just. I don't know. I And then I couldn't really tell him, like, maybe if she tells him the truth, like, hey, there's still a greater faction out there. Would you be willing to work for us? I feel like the secret that she's hiding and keeping is so important that it doesn't matter whether he would want to come back. He's such an important figure that 
she's in there to assess whether he is loyal to the new Republic. Does he ever, how does he feel about the empire? And she just offs him. So mm -hmm. it's just like big deal. Did, I mean, did you see her face or some muscles in her face twitch when she was like, probably you know, cranking that up yeah. and like almost like she was almost mad at him and like, you know, gets like his punishment yeah. for something or I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it was, it was strange. I don't really, I don't really know what to make of the whole thing. So, um, yeah it was uh, overall michaela i mean it was cool right it was cool to cool cool to say that he was in the mind flare i like <laughs> do you like dr pershing i mean did you, uh, he cares it seems like he's always cared about grogu i mean or cared about the science and he's a good person so i think the that's one thing that this show does very well i keep saying that but it's another thing that this show does very well is that it makes these very three-dimensional characters so you know when you when you first meet him he's he's just the, the, the scientist working with the empire and then you sort of get to see his whole story and get to understand him as a person and you know not that it necessarily justifies his actions but you can understand how he came to you know commit the actions and I feel like that's something that some aspects of say the sequels were lacking in the sense that, like, so for example, Kylo Ren, I feel like they could have done a better job of having us understand how the child of Han and Leia would come to be that person. And I didn't feel like it was well-rounded enough that by the end I understood how that happened or how that came to be. Whereas in The Mandalorian, I can easily completely understand and almost empathize with how these characters came to be in that situation, even though I don't agree with their actions, which is really good storytelling. Yeah, I love the way you put that because I, I'm trying to find the words to describe, yeah, to, to get to Dr. Pershing and, and who he is and in the heart of what they showed us in this episode because he talks about his mother, he talks about the cloning technology, yeah. his motivations behind all of it. And you're like, okay, there's some good stuff here. And as we watch and we think back to like the Clone Wars, which is awesome, it's a, it's a great idea to continue with this whole cloning thing because they went ahead and did it in the sequels and, you know, think what you will or want of, of, of all of that. I know there's mixed reactions on that. But they doubled down on cloning and they said, no, we're going to bring cloning in as an aspect of this. And like mm -hmm. Grogu, they were trying to take a sample from Grogu. Are you kidding me? And but then it's like, OK, Dr. Pershing, when he explains himself, you're like, that's not that bad. He's not going to harm the child. He just wants this sample. And, you know, it's it's a little I don't know, the ethics, as he said, the ethics of cloning are a little bit. Um, yeah, they're tough. They're complicated. Right. But yeah. Um, but it was great. They got to the heart of who he is. Yeah. And it's his life's his life work, you know, like something he's been working on his entire career. And he truly just want like he's talking about a breakthrough and he truly just wants to continue with his work. And he even though it causes him to go into a conflict, like we see that he has the moral compass, mm. but his work is so important to him. It's hard when your own desires and your own, you know, your dreams conflict with with your moral compass and we yeah. totally see that in him and it's not just like oh yeah let's do this yeah he's conflicted he's trying to figure it out yeah. I mean, he even one point even says he's like we have to do what's best for the new republic at all cost right and he's like okay i'm gonna go and they, the the droid across from him is like yes that's that's the that's the agenda <laughs> and he's like okay green light and we're gonna go get that lab and, and do our thing so because he probably could have done great things for the new like undercover and like develop stuff and say hey check this out this is really good for you guys and his his motivations were in the right spot and um she she took him out now last thing um as as we, as we close up shop here i want to get to back to the end of this episode really quickly 
what in the world did did we all realize or think that Bo-Katan had been baptized in those waters as well? No, I did not think about that. I was like, oh, as she's walking in, I'm like, she's redeemed. <laughs> like, what? What did you think of that, Michaela? Like, like just the fact that she, um, well, first of all, the Mythazar was was really cool, and she like talks to Din about that, but then. They're going out, and he's going to a place where there's friends. You'll be welcomed. It's okay. It's a little hostile because if you don't follow the way, you're an apostate. You're not a true Mandalorian. I mean, they're not going to, like, kill you or anything, but you're just not allowed to be one of them. You're an outcast. But how, how did you feel about her coming in and getting the thumbs up from the group, I guess? Yeah, I think that was really interesting to see just for Bo-Katan's character because, like we said before, she's she's – sees them she's like oh they're a cult they're like outsiders they're not real mandalorians um but they sort of give her everything that she's been longing for even if she doesn't realize it right she wants that sense of collectiveness with the other mandalorians i think i think she wants to be redeemed i don't even if she doesn't realize that i think she feels like she's failed twice with the dark saber she's failed twice at reuniting mandalore and i think having you know, someone tell her that she's been redeemed is something that she has yeah. wanted. I think she wants to be redeemed in the eyes of the Mandalorians. So that was really um, interesting to see. And, you know, interesting coming from the, this group of people who she doesn't really ha hadn't really respected as being real Mandalorians. Yeah. OK, so <clears throat> with that, let's let's talk about real quickly just uh, some some predictions going. For, it, it, it almost feels like in this series it's impossible to like make predictions. We just did the Dr. Pershing talk real quickly about where that could go, but that's super far out there. That's, that's probably not like the next chapter. I, I will be blown <laughs> away if they do something with that, but I feel like Bo-Katan going forward is probably going to stay with this group. They, like, like Michaela is saying, it feels like, okay, this is the things that, 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 that I want. And I feel okay here. I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. They've welcomed me here. Um, before I go into the predictions though, Michaela, have you heard the theory about it's, it's totally debunked now. I feel like, but the theory is that the armor, everyone wonders who the armor is. Um, there's a theory that that is Bo-Katan's sister, like her, like the third Kree's sister. I have not heard that theory. That's, that's really interesting. It's floating around the internet and it's because Satine, who was Obi-Wan's lover and ruler of Mandalore, had a nephew named Corky, Corky Crees, and Corky's mother is not Bo-Katan. Right. And, it's, and so who is his mother or father? Like, who is the other Cree? Who's the other member of their family, the third sister that is not there? And no one's seen the armor face, and people are kind of thinking, like, is that it, like is this why she chose the ancient way of Mandalore? Did she feel like her sisters abandoned that way, and then her son Corky Kreese died? Because no one knows whether Corky he's in the Clone Wars for like like three arcs. Ahsoka goes there and meets him, and it's this whole kind of thing. Okay. Um, some people have joked that it's Obi Wan's child that maybe <laughs> that maybe uh, Obi Wan and Satine had a a child, and it's just her nephew. Um, no one. I really, like that theory. I like that. Theory. <laughs> like absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we have, we have no clue. So it's just, it's just kind of a fascinating thing. So anyways, <clears throat> one to mention that in case you hadn't heard it, I think now her being there and meeting the armor, we're sort of like, because the armor knew beforehand, she was like, I know who that is. And she's from, uh, fr from the Royal house of, of, you know, clan crease and she knew her, but the Bo-Katan has yet to recognize the armor. There's no mm -hmm. discussion or exchange of name there. Yeah. And the armor is the leader. She is leading them big time. So 
Anyway, as we move forward, though, what do you think is going to happen, Michaela? This is I'm putting you on the spot here, okay, on the spot. What do you think is going to happen between Bo-Katan's old faction and this this new faction that she's with? Do you think they're going to go back and, like, reclaim Mandalore? Or do you think they're going to strike out and try to, like, fight that Mandalorian group? Or is there going to be a Mandalorian civil war? What do you think is going to go forward with the Mandalorians? I – oh, that's a good question. I think there has to be some sort of infighting before they come together collectively at the end. Um, just for narrative purposes, I, I think I think they're going to have to fight first. Um, and I think the end of that episode sort of lulled us into this false sense of security where Bo-Katan has, you know, been accepted into that into that clan and how and she's sort of come to respect them. And I think that sort of lulls us into the sense of, oh, they're all going to get along and work together. But I can't imagine Bo-Katan living happily among those group of people for for a long time. I don't think she can do it. Um, so, I, and I think it would be interesting to see, you know, a Mandalorian civil war. But yeah. who knows? Like I said, Dave Filoni and John Favreau always always surprise me. So I'm excited to see where they take it. <clears throat> yeah, me, me as well. I think it's going to be interesting. So, Lottie, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see anything um like where would you yeah because you really i'm just thinking about how like you're with your star wars your limited experience in star wars like where does it seem like from a storytelling point of view that they yeah. would want to go with this i mean you have this weird thing with coruscant here right. dr pershing how does it all fit in and then you've got this other story with dindaran and grogu and he's now with this group it, yeah. is the next one just here's your house and here's where you stay it's this little mud hut that you're gonna stay in and we're all gonna stay around here and i, I mean <laughs> I, no i have a feeling that Definitely, like, Bo-Katan's experience with this group is very important going forward. You know, we always talked about she... So I only, you know, the, the knowledge that I have of the Mandalorian stems mostly from, from Rebels and mm -hmm. Sabine and seeing Bo-Katan in there. Yeah, yeah. So we feel like she's always been kind of that leader at heart. It, but I struggled with it, struggled with the whole um, black lightsaber or yeah. dark, dark saber um, yeah. story and, and not really, it's never get, been given really to her. Mm -hmm. um, and Sabine had a similar struggle, right? She, she didn't really want to be a ruler. So it's, it's like almost the other way around. She didn't want to be, but it was given to her. Bo-Katan feels like she would be a great ruler. Um, is, is from the ruling family. From the family, and, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. She struggles with the saber. And, right, right. and we saw even, um, well, she, she was the one, those who, who had uh, a better grip on the saber when she was fighting with it oh, yeah. than Din. So there's definitely something. And I, I also, I agree with Michaela. I don't see her. I think she's going to walk her own way. I think, you know, she's not going to stay in, with that group forever and, and, and become part of their Wait, are you saying that like, but... like at some point she's going to turn to the group and say, no, this is the way <laughs> and follow me like, take go. her helmet off and take it all off and oh like, my gosh no well. yeah but definitely she this is an important part of her journey to yeah. learn more about them to learn as much as she can about different mandalorians to in the end be able to unite them good point yeah that she would need to go learn about this group as well yeah because they are pretty like um I mean, maybe like once if the armor, hopefully, I don't know. We don't know anything about the armor. Like if the armor dies, like maybe they need a new leader and like it's less, uh, I don't know. It's less, I don't know. The ancient way is the ancient way. Maybe the, maybe there's a way in between where we can take our helmets off, but we do everything else. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's, 
there's an in-between and maybe she'll find it. But I'm with both of you guys. I think I, it's going to be, it's all about Bo-Katan, her leadership and Din Djarin, armor. You've got all three of them now there together. And this whole other faction that is out there that were once Bo-Katan's followers to have like ships and are doing stuff. And oh, an interesting point to keep in mind, the Imperials came in and they're after Bo-Katan. A lot of them because of the Moff Gideon stuff, which shows you they're angry about that. And there is still a working group supporting moth gideon and they know about this and they send a strike force to take her out yeah. i forgot about that that's kind of a big it's kind of a big deal so real yeah. quick does bokatan have any family left um, like you know her sister well and... no so that's what i was kind of going over i think i don't think so i i, I don't think that, like you mean it, like her close family Not that we know of at least i don't think yeah, so unless okay. she's unless her nephew corky is actually alive right and that, I can't believe that's his name, but I mean, that is, oh, Corky Crees. That's, that's our guy. Um, Corky. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm excited to see where it's, where it's going to go. I think nobody has any clue and it's just going to be, it's, it's going to be fascinating. One more final thing. Did you see when the armor poured the living waters yes. of Mandalore into the thing and it kind of did like a, like a little glow? Come on. There is something to the ancient way. That's what I'm starting to realize, though, is like the armorer is onto something and they actually might be into some mystical, like mythic, like because Bo is sort of like, uh, there is a mythosaur. There yeah. actually was one down there below. True. And all these old legends and rumors and stories are like yeah. becoming true. So it is fantastic. So we, we shall see. Uh, yeah. Michaela, final thoughts. We'll give you the final word just in general. How is your Mandalorian like this experience? First three episodes, uh, just anything. How, how are you feeling? Are you excited? Are you hopeful? Um, has it been a good ride so far? I have been very happy with season three so far. I was at first feeling slightly skeptical just because I didn't like how they sort of resolved the, the, the ending of season two very quickly in Book of Boba Fett. Like, he, Grogu goes away. Okay, you know, half a season later, he's back. I thought that was going to be a bigger plot of season three. But two things about that is that I do think that that's not the end of that plot with Luke. I think that John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni are going to do something with that. And I also feel like the fact that he resolved that so fast before the start of season three makes me very hopeful um, that he has a much bigger plan for season three. And he's like, no, we got to get that out of the way for season three. We don't have time. There's a lot more going on. I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah, that's a good point. Is he, yeah, he, we got to get him back here. And because I've thought of something, I think I know where, like how this is going to stretch. And because, you know, once the writing fever takes over and you really start to say, okay, now we're getting the funds and they're saying Ahsoka series, they're saying this series, they're saying these things are coming together. He's like, boy, oh boy, we got to get this together. We need old Rogu back in here. Like, let's go. We don't have time to do that like other arc it's just it is cool it's exciting because you can kind of feel the energy that they have in in these shows and it's just like i cannot cannot wait for more of it but um all right well hey that was fun just want to kind of dive in there and we are so happy that we had michaela on because she is just fantastic lottie and i came across her uh all of her all of her tiktok her instagram youtube content all the links are down below friends go check her out though that like, you do like skits i mean can you tell folks just a little bit about sort of what you do like you've um 
you kind of bring to life for us anyways like a lot of what you did was bring to life the like the scenes from harry potter that weren't really in the movies so i mean that was fantastic <laughs> genius start so yeah just tell us a little bit about you know what you do um first of all thank you you guys are so nice um but yeah so most of my content is like comedy skits is doing like Ezra said, I like doing book scenes that weren't in the movie or comparing book characters to movie characters. Um, so yeah, I really just, I like making people laugh. I think that's that's most of what I like doing with my content and I love fandom. So those two things together. <clears throat> Let me say, too, uh, I always like to give a little plug for the things, the most recent things that I just saw. And Lottie and I were just talking about Twilight the other day. And I literally was at Barnes & Noble and I pulled off that. Um, like, she had a new book. It was a Twilight book where she did, like, a reverse in gender of, of the characters. And I was, like, talking to Lottie about it. And then, lo and behold, Michaela does the whole, like, Midnight Sun Edward's thoughts as well of, like, <laughs> Bella's thoughts. And you play a great Edward, by the way. Uh, it was it was fantastic. So stuff like that. So yeah, all the fandoms. You got tons of fandoms re represented there, and you have tons of par partnerships and really cool, cool things. You did a lightsaber giveaway. By the way, you inspired uh, my wife to get me a lightsaber, the same lightsaber that you have, and I like love it. It is so much fun. So yeah, just just really cool. And we, your yeah, your content is just amazing. So and congrats to over a hundred k. You are like just blowing. Thank you. So much. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really wild. And I, I, I love all of your stuff. Do you ever go live over there on Instagram or TikTok or one of the two? I do. I think I've been live on Instagram once. I can't do lives. I, all of my content is so planned and scripted. Yeah. like I come from, I did theater as a kid. So I need a script, you know, yeah. I need rehearsal. I you know I need to, I need to know what I'm doing. If I, and maybe, maybe you can tell from the podcast we've done, I'm not good at speaking just like off the top of my head. I feel like the oh. words don't go from my brain to my mouth very well. Totally. Okay. I hate to be like this, That's but I actually <laughs> the teacher in me is coming out and I want to tell you right now, young lady, that your public speaking is very good. You articulate yourself very well. And I think if people go back and let, it is actually a really difficult to, to do that though, you know, like yeah. just to be on the spot and say, and here, as you were saying that I was going to make a joke and I was, it was kind of a serious joke, which is like, I feel terrible for not having a better outline <laughs> or more of like a, here we go, Michaela, this is what we're doing. Cause you're like script, script, script. And I'm like, Oh shoot. I just kind of said we wing it. Um, and it is really hard. It's, but you do great. See, I think, I think that, um, that might be a, what we call like a limiting mindset. I think people would love a Michaela going live chatting answering questions and stuff i think i did you did do a q a didn't you at one point or that was just sort of um people were sending in questions and stuff yeah yeah uh-huh okay Sorry, yeah. but thank you that's that's really nice that's really nice of you to say yeah okay i'm out here advocating for the people you know i'm i'm trying hey, I'm, I'm their force i'm there like like they're wanting that michaela live and i you know put the pressure on. real quick like I, I i also got to say and i say this because i know what it feels like from both because I often I struggle with oh my gosh I, I'm just looking for that one particular word as a non-native speaker sometimes and I'm like I feel like I sound so all over the place but then I want to just tell you that I thought the whole time like oh my gosh she put she can put it so well into words her thoughts and all how it ties in together and how I don't know I just that's sometimes we need that feedback from others 
be, because that's you know we perceive ourselves we are our worst critics often and like we yeah. perceive ourselves sometimes like oh my gosh what did i just say or <laughs> but actually it's the opposite for everyone else who just listened to you and it's like wow this was awesome this is exactly what i thought yeah so yeah. Well, thank you thank you i gotta i gotta come back here more often so you guys can hype me up and make oh. me <laughs> Michaela, I will next next time you come on, just just bring instead of uh, wearing Grogu, do like see if you get like a C three PO thing or whatever, and I'll do the I'll, do, I'll, I'll be I'll be an Ewok. I'm like, oh, oh, like, we'll, we'll play the whole thing. We'll get her going. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. All right, okay, okay. C three PO, that's so funny, yes. actually. <laughs> okay, um, friends, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Michaela, what are your handles? Where can folks kind of find you on the internet there? So on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, I am at Magic by Michaela. Um, Michaela is, I'm going to spell it because it's spelled weird. It's M-I-K-A-I-L-A. Perfect. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm going to leave links down below so you guys can go check out all of that. And it is wonderful content. It does make us laugh. Oftentimes, we are like going to sleep scrolling and it's just like, boom, there's Michaela. And we watch and we're laughing and it's fun. So uh, you guys should too. And if you do, let us know. Send us a message. Send her a message. Follow her. All that good stuff because it is really just good, wholesome, fun uh, content. So, friends, uh, with that, again, thanks, Michaela. We appreciate you. We're going to have you uh, back on at some point. Maybe, Hey, maybe Luke shows up. There's some grand finale, some craziness we need to talk about. So, uh, yeah, we would just uh, – we'll always be reaching out to you and just – it's fun. It's fun. It's fun chatting with you. Thank so. you guys for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And thanks everyone for listening. We will be back with more. And as always, friends, may the force Thank be you. with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.